Athleter Podcast. Me and Joel Shaw are, 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 and that's terrible English. Joel Shaw and I are, are joined today by one of my favorite human beings that's, that's spinning on this rock with us. Um, Lee Roper, thank you very much for coming on and uh, imparting some wisdom on us as you have a tendency to do. Um, how is things going in, in, you know, Cedar Falls, America? Um, it's good, man. It's um, actually one of the very few times that there's not 50 million things going on. There's only about 10 million things going on. So you catch a few breaths right in this time. Uh, freshmen are about to move in on campus. And then once that happens, hit the ground running. And then you're recruiting and training and doing all that again. So trying to catch a few breaths and catch up on some housework, stuff like that right now. What, um, what would the average wrestling dad be be interested to know about uh, your job right like you're you're a, you're an assistant coach at a major institution like you and i that that it, it, it's wrestling like I, I i i remember talking to you when you first got the job and one of the things that you loved about Cedar Falls is that wrestling is important at you and I. It is important, Absolutely. right? And and so, what would a a coach from I don't know Georgia or Alabama or what would what would they or a dad from that area what would they be surprised to know about your job and your life? Um, and and you actually saying wrestling dads probably what brought it to mind, but actually how much you have to play mom for the guys and. Uh, how many of those off the map problems that you, that you're really dealing with and not really coming up with solutions for guys because you want them to start growing up and coming up with them on their own, but trying to guide them through some of those things. And, and that is really probably the bulk of the job, helping guys navigate those situations that come up as you're a college student. It's not as on the mat as a lot of people think, or at least that's not the stressful part. That's the, that's the easier part. That's the vacation. That's the part all of us really enjoy. It's uh. It's all the hours off the mat trying to help these guide these young men through their life, make good decisions and navigate a really distracting, difficult time. Do you think um because do you think that that's true at every institution? Like do you think Kale has to worry about that type of stuff? Or maybe worry is not the best concern himself with that type of stuff. Do you think that or you know maybe not kale but but cody and and casey and those guys or you know terry brands uh down the street from you in in iowa city or or i guess any of the assistants at oklahoma state or you know do you think that it's it's pretty across the board for a division one coach to have to play mom well yeah i mean somebody has to the mm. so look at take the athletes that you work with right do, mm. do they have problems do you have those off the mat moments those don't go away they're in every single person's life whether mm. you're an eight-year-old wrestling boy or girl or you're 28 year old wrestling man or woman you have problems in life that are going to help it's going to hurt your athletic performance or that are confusing are going to help the, your athletic performance you have to navigate those things so i don't know if it's casey or kale or whatever coach you want to point it at but somebody has to help those problems exist so yes there has to be a, a mom involved that's why it takes so many people to run a program too there's a lot of jobs to do mm -hmm. one of the things you said was kind of how important wrestling is uh to the school um 
how do you guys go about keeping that relevance uh, kind of on a day-to-day basis? That's the, that's the cool thing about being in Iowa. And I've always tried to explain it to people because, I mean, I'm from Georgia originally, and it's still not lost on me, even though I've been here nine years now. Um, I'm still used to walking around the grocery store and people see a weird ear and they're like, what's, what's up with you? What's, what's wrong with you? And it's just understood here. And you really don't have to do much. It's uh, everybody has a touch with wrestling, whether it's a very close touch or somebody in their family had one. They know somebody in their life very closely that had a very deep experience with wrestling. So just kind of what we all understand talking here that are in their fraternity people have a closer touch to that wrestling fraternity here. So you feel a little bit closer into it. So to answer your question, Joel, we really don't have to do much. The history speaks for itself. And this is one of the best places of the sport, specifically right where I'm at in Waterloo, Iowa. There's Olympic champs have been born here. Dan Gable was born here and just all the history that goes into that. So we just get to be a part of the history and all you've got to do is celebrate it. So that's what we try and do. We try and celebrate the history and, and hopefully one day become a part of it in some Young coach will be talking about that old ball man that coached at UNI 50 years later, and they're flying around in cars, whatever they're doing in the future. <laughs> you um, you say you don't have to do much, and and you're, and I think you're 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 being truthful and honest. But the cool thing to me is you you really don't have to, right? It's on the walls in Absolutely. West Gym. It's like, you know, I I, I don't know if I brought this up on on this podcast at all, but I know I've spoke about it and, and you and I have spoken about it quite a bit, Lee. Um, I, my son went to preseason nationals, which is in Cedar falls. Um, but we flew into Des Moines and we drove to Iowa city and we checked out Carver Hawkeye and all that stuff. And it's wonderful. And you know, when you, before you actually walk into the, to the room at Carver Hawkeye arena, into the wrestling room, there's a touchscreen and mm-hmm. it, you can go through all of the, um and you know ncaa championship teams and and all americans and big 10 champs and blah 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 blah. you can kind of sift through that so it's it's like their achievement board but it's in digital form and that's cool and that's it's interesting it's interactive right so that's cool and jack my son loved that and you know i got to meet spencer lee and that was kind of cool and and then we went into west gym and there's pictures of tony davis on the walls and there's pictures of taylor lujan on the walls and and when we sat down for dinner that night he and i i remember saying well which place did you like better he's like well i liked west gym better now for those of you that have not been to west gym it's got character it's 100 years old it's a hundred years old it's a hundred year old building it's a hundred year old building and when the heat comes on, you hear it and it clanks and it's, and you when, couldn't have said it any better. When the heat comes on, you hear it. That describes hear, the building right there. That, it's got a lot like, of character to it. Exactly. It, it right. does. It rattles. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, I remember doing interviews in, in the bleachers there going, somebody shut that fucking thing off. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. but I asked my son, which he liked better. And he said, West Jim. And I said, well, why? And he's like, well, when you go to Carver Hawkeye, you can see the you can see the history, and that's cool, and it's nice to see it. But when you walk into West Gym, boy, you feel the history, and that's a different thing. And it, you know, it's probably one of the more poignant things that that young man has said to me. Um, and it was kind of cool to hear. How do you 
how do you cultivate that into as a as a coach getting kids because it's really like not many kids are, are gonna feel that every time they're gonna be uh taken aback by the the shiny lights of you know uh, and all the bells and whistles that carver hawkeye has to, to you know to offer how do you cultivate that into a selling point to a young man or you know that, that's looking to come and wrestle at you and i well a little bit of that mike it's the it's the culture and and when you were telling me about that man that really did it brought man it made me feel good it brought a lot of pride and um and the coaches have been there longer than me i'm sure it would with them too and uh it goes back to who the boss is it's doug and you know doug pretty well too doug's not a bells and whistles kind of guy that's not him he is a person to person sit down have a conversation and relationship something that uh he keeps telling me and i keep forgetting quite often it's not what you do it's how you make people feel that they remember Mm -hmm. And that's what we try and do. So when you come in and somebody feels something in the room, well, they feel that history. Why? Because they're getting interacted with, with everybody that's in that room and everybody that's in the room knows the history because we celebrate it and talk about it all the time. The people that are up on the walls, we get them to come back and visit. They talk to the guys before practice. Our guys are going to develop some kind of relationship with them. So then as your son comes through and interacts with the athletes on the team, well, again, Doug really stresses that face-to-face, person-to-person, shake their hand, look them in the eye, get to know them kind of relationship. So as they move through the room and they have those interactions with each individual or coach or whoever's in there, a little bit of that culture is going to rub off because when you're in the room every day, it kind of becomes part of who you are. So, man, I love it that he was able to feel that. And uh, how are you going to feel it? Well, there's not energy floating around the air, I don't think. I don't know a whole lot, but – I think that just comes from the people you meet. The people you meet in there make you feel a certain thing. And mm. that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to celebrate the history we have because that's one thing we do have at you and I. We have a practice room that people have been practicing and trying to win NCAA titles in for a hundred years. How many places have that? Not many. Not many. Dude, I you know, the fact that y'all aren't gonna have dual meets there anymore is it's it hurts my soul. Cause I gotta tell you something. Mm-hmm. And I know when Nomad was still at Flow, he he wrote about it. He wrote an article saying, it, you know, it, it's bucket list shit. Like it's yeah. it's it's literally like Joel Shaw grew up in in California, went to Cal Poly, and like that's there, there's it's cool, right? He wrestled for Cal Poly, and, and now he goes back to the to the dual meets, and I'm there calling the matches and stuff like that. It's having a real dual meet at West Gym, I've never felt anything like it. Like everyone's on top of you. Absolutely. It's a hundred degrees in there and it's deafening. De- deafening. Who did I see? I, I saw y'all wrestle um Nebraska and I think it was Schwarm got a fall does that does that make sense and shorts out there you got a good chance of somebody getting credit and pins so probably, right. probably was yeah and and it was like it was the first match of the night i'm telling you it I, I can still feel it like it got hotter as as the referee hit the mat like i'm literally getting hit in the head with people's breath like it was to talk a little bit about what it was like the first time you experienced that 
Oh man, you want to talk about like bucket list things. I could die a happy man after that. Cause you know me, man, I'm a wrestling nerd. And and really one of the things I'm trying to do in my life is stack up as many cool wrestling experiences as I can. This is such a, I mean, it's who I am, man. I'm going to do this as long as I'm breathing, unless I get kicked out of it. So uh, I think it was the first really one I felt was against Missouri. And I don't remember the details of it. It'd make a better story if it did. But Doug was trying to tell me something to go tell one of the guys that was in the wrestling room warming up. And I'm not kidding, maybe three feet away. And I saw his mouth moving. And I know words were coming out. But they did not make them to me. It was just so loud, the crowd in there. I couldn't hear what he was telling me after the match. So that was one of those things where you're walking out and you kind of look around and go, man, this is really cool. It's really cool to be a part of that. and. Uh, get to feel that energy. And I'm not one of those people that feels a whole lot. And uh, being in a crowd like that, you can feel it because our fans are so knowledgeable. And it is sad, man. We're not going to get to wrestle in West Gym anymore, but everything comes to an end, right? So mm. now it's up to us to bring the spirit of West Gym to wherever we end up competing the most. And the cool part is the fans bring most of it. So mm. when they come over and they're loud and rowdy, no matter where we wrestle, it can be anywhere. You put us in a barn in the middle of nowhere, uh, if you build it, they will come. It's not too far from here, right? We go wrestle in a cornfield and hopefully it'll be the same energy. So uh, we're thinking about ways that we can celebrate West Gym as uh, that building moves into whatever phase it goes into. The university still feel, trying to figure out some of that themselves too. But man, I can promise you, uh, knowing Doug and, and the part I can play in it too, that those are, the West Gym will be celebrated. It is not going to be one of those things that gets pushed off. West Gym will always be a part of you and I wrestling, whether it's West Gym 2.0 and building a new facility, it'll be celebrated in some way because it is a part of what you and I is, like you said. Uh, not not very many people uh, have a place where where you wrestle has a name, and mm -hmm. like Rec Hall, and people know it. Mm -hmm. West Gym, people know it. So that's something we've got to keep going because that is a competitive advantage for us. That's something that we talk to recruits about. So that's not going to go away yeah no it's i i believe you i i didn't think that it would um all right let's let's um let's turn the conversation a little bit um yeah tell me your thoughts on nil oh man <laughs> i'm just gonna uh, push that ball and give it to you and let you run with it yeah honestly i have I've taken that ball and I've turned it about every single way that I can. And honestly, I don't know how to handle that situation except, man, get a whole lot of resources, get a whole lot of resources. Cause that genie's not going back in the bottle. It's not, it's, it's here to stay. Um, these athletes are going to turn more into employees for the school. Uh, but unfortunately, What's happening right now, um, and Mike, we've talked about this a lot. The economics in wrestling are terrible. Um, well, it's even getting any worse because this is all based on charity. Somebody is just donating money because they love a program, right? Very few programs have actual real financial value. They're generating revenue, sustainable revenue. So some just very generous booster and donors going, yes, I love this program. Here's a check. And then guess what they have to do next year? Okay. Yes, I love this program. Here's a check. So hey, now hey, but, but, but I, I have, I'm sorry. Numbers. Hold on a yeah, second. Go ahead. I, I, have, I have to interrupt you. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I don't think that the person that we were talking about earlier, the person in middle America that doesn't maybe have the, their, their whole body and their whole brain engulfed in wrestling and the economics of the sport, I think that they're going to pass by what you just said 
as as a uh, just a commonality okay there that's not it's not something that you can be passed by it can, it's not something that can be flippantly um just passed by we have to like that's a big deal the economics of the sport are broken oh, absolutely They're broken you know i'll talk at, at nauseum on that and okay. um something that we do we really i mean you guys ask a question right and probably get asked the same thing if you could change one thing about wrestling what would you do and my thing would be like everything else that this gets discussed if it's not green and it doesn't have a dollar sign with it we need to quit talking about it the problem in wrestling is resources and money whether you're trying to create a professional league to generate money or teams are trying to be uh, uh, in the black so they're not in the red being a detriment to their athletic programs to clubs the private clubs making money like it's a resource problem and until we just get rid of everything else the rules don't matter the fans do matter because that generates money the eyeballs matter because that generates money but this all boils down to dollars and cents and that's what we have to start talking about if we want to turn the ship around or pull it out of the grave or whatever you think some people think wrestling's in a good spot and i think it's in a pretty precarious one right now because we're kind of ignoring the problem and it's money money's the problem yeah i think that's a easy thing for lots of people to ignore when you see college football and college basketball and you see the big money that goes into that and people just assume that all college sports are lumped into that huge pool of money yeah and that's uh and and it used to be uh, but now as as things have changed and the ncaa is really changing and it's going to change even more in the next five years you're not lumped into that money anymore um everybody has more discretion where the money goes so even going back to that middle america booster and donor you were talking about mike now for the first time ever they have a way to circumvent that money going to the school they can go directly to whatever exactly. athlete they want mm -hmm. and just say you know what i don't know where these dollars go when i write a check to whatever scholarship foundation for whatever school they're at it goes to mm -hmm. when i give this check to this athlete i know exactly where it's going to which is a good thing too but it's new and it's the wild wild west so it's going to take a while to get things figured out and what regulations need to happen and what pitfalls are there so i'm just trying to be patient and learn and talk to people a lot smarter than me about this nil thing and one i mean an assistant coach so there's not a whole lot i can really do about it too other than learn and then answer questions and give opinions whenever it's asked of me but it's a it's something that i think is a pretty dangerous because it's something else that's gonna Think about it being like a leech or a tick and the blood inside the organisms getting sucked out by something else. So you have the RTC, which sucks resources out. And now you've got NIL on top of that that sucks resources out of this thing that makes wrestling move. And, and for me, what is that? It's, I think it's NCAA wrestling. I mm -hmm. think that's like the organism that keeps everything moving. Olympic mm -hmm. wrestling, youth wrestling at all. It's, NCAA wrestling at whatever level that is the target for most people to get an education move on with their life or to win national titles too that's what most people are aiming for when they're really trying to be competitive in wrestling and move up and mm. we just got too many things that are just sucking the blood out of that organism that's starting to get a little bit of sick we got to start taking some of those leeches or ticks off or figure out a way to get more sustainable resources coming in because I think there's more blood going out than blood going in and that's mm. that's not sustainable you can't compete in nonprofit. it's just i don't know much about economics but i know that's a tricky thing to do 501c3 is competing that's tough that's a hard thing right because how do you how do you know when you won yeah exactly <laughs> right exactly which is what's happened a lot too we're listen 
Mike, you know most of these coaches too. You know you're talking about the most competitive mm -hmm. people on the planet. Yeah. I mean, they'll race in the parking lot to be the first one leaving the tournament. So we just got this thing where we've got to find another way. And if you can build a bigger locker room for more recruits, all right, let's do it. Or if we can raise more money for this RTC, okay, let's do it. And then it just becomes more and more and more. And eventually more is too much, it becomes unhealthy. Um, someone said to me, and and <clears throat> what, what I think is interesting is like, Joel, you you mentioned football and basketball and and you kind of held them up or not just you but but people in that watch uh football on saturdays they look at places like lsu places like alabama places like give it a name even you know iowa right like they're filling that stadium and you they look at it like it's this um impenetrable kind of thing and i think that college sports in general can be such a house of cards that if we're not careful if we're not deliberate if we're if we're not mindful you know a very wise man sat down with me one time and said you know how we and maybe I'll do it in the accent. Maybe you'll know exactly I, who I'm talking about. <laughs> I've I've had a similar conversation with him, so I think I know where you're going and who you're talking about. <laughs> he he'd go, you know, you look at these things like the Coliseum. You think they ever thought that was ever going to be in ruins? No. And and you look at these stadiums that that college football is built. A hundred years from now, there's a good chance that we're looking at them. Thousand years from now. You know, like they're the Coliseum and 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 telling our grandkids, yeah, they used to they used to play a game in there. Yeah. With taking selfie, each other. Taking selfies at the Rose Bowl. Right. Where parts just, of the bowl are cracked and the stadiums eroded. No, man, you definitely could see it. It's it, like it sounds post apocalyptic, but yeah, I think it's it, you know, you know, not to be all doom and gloom, but there's it's a house of cards, man. And if we don't start generating money in some way it's it's uh it's never going to move in a better direction yeah and, and and the good thing is though we're not very big so getting things moving is actually not as tough as it would be to make some changes and like let's say college basketball huge changes mm. going on in college basketball well, man, that's you talk about that's a huge sport. So many colleges, so many schools, so many athletes. It's gigantic. So getting that gigantic Titanic turning in the ocean, that's a lot harder. We're a little bit more of a speedboat. And that's mm -hmm. another thing I think we need to accept too. Like, man, our mortgage that the house we bought, our mortgage, we can't afford it, man. We're mm -hmm. we're trying to act like these bigger sports. We are broke and we need to start acting like it too. But mm -hmm. we're also pretty small, so we can move and be flexible with things and also, I think the NCAA getting out of regulation as much is going to give wrestling the opportunity to do some pretty neat things. If we have people that are thinking outside the box and the leadership's going to be so important in the next five years, I think, for the health and, and the direction wrestling moves into. I think it's going to be a fun time to see things get set in motion. Because, again, my man's competitive people. Wrestlers don't die easily. This sport's not going anywhere because they'll have to kill all of us for it to happen. That's right. They'll, um, but it's going to be some neat changes that come in five years. And, and are there going to be some growing pains with it? Absolutely. 
Uh, there's going to be a whole lot of get off my lawn. I miss the old days. Absolutely, there's going to be a lot of that too. Um, that's just what I'm trying to do, especially with NIL stuff. It's try and fight that mentality as much as possible because you either learn how to use the changes to your advantage and make them positives or they're going to drown you. Or, yeah, you can't, you you can't just battle. be like, I hate this stuff. I wish it would go back to the way it was, but it's not. So you have to live in the real world and the situation you're in. And just so many new things are coming in. It's like, man, I don't know how to juggle these balls yet. What's, so I what's wish been I had the, some. What's been the hardest thing to, to, to adjust to? Um, probably the NIL for, for us. That's That's probably been the toughest one. At least the that's gotten the most conversations to where it's like, well, Man, I got to think about this a little bit more. And 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 I'm telling you, I don't want to steal his thunder. And I know he's still working about it. Doug's got an incredible idea what he wants to do and how he feels good about still teaching some really good life lessons with NIL money. And um, he'll talk about it at some point if he ends up moving with it. But there's still just a lot of like, oh, I'm not sure yet. Um, so that's been the toughest one for us. Hmm. It's uh, it's. And and because a certain extent, even though it's not supposed to be pay for play, yeah, not come on again. Like, yeah, That's, right. Like, we talked to we, Damien about it. That's nonsense. It is. It is pay yeah. for play. You know it is. And he talked about it in a good way. I like the way he described it. I won't rehash all that too. But that's the thing that hurt us because, okay, if it if it does come down, some schools kind of have unlimited scholarship dollars to a certain extent now, and there's going to be a lot of handful of schools, and it's the majority of schools that aren't in that bucket. That's right. So now we are getting some side it's, it's, it's But we that's can't. the thing. People don't realize it's it's 90% of the schools are not oh, in, yeah, that, in that. You know, it's Penn State, it's Iowa, it's Oklahoma State, it's maybe two more. Maybe maybe Ohio State, maybe Minnesota, right? I mean, that, a, but, that, but aside from that, there's really not any other schools that have the unlimited resources that those – five, seven schools do. And I, and I wouldn't even say those are unlimited too, because I mean, this experiment's only been done for a short amount of time. That, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, that the, the, it, it's a finite. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's gotta be finite. Cause you know what goes in with that. There's going to be some, cause it, you got to look at it kind of like a business deal. That's what an NIL deal is. So some of those are going to go poorly and it's going to burn some donors going to be like, Nope, I'm out. I'm not doing that again. That was a terrible experience. Mm -hmm. So you got that well check dried up. So Man, I don't I don't think anybody's in that I've got this infinite pool of money and I can just keep throwing bad money to keep getting guys. So I, I think it's going to calm down a little bit. Um, the newness of it, right? It's like the mm -hmm. new phone comes out. Everybody's got to go get it. So there's this new toy that all these really competitive coaches get to play with to try and find an advantage. And that's what you're seeing going on a lot right now. And most coaches that are really trying to win are trying to figure out how they can play with this new toy and be an advantage at every single one of their schools. You're going to see some really creative ideas come out, man. There's some smart people out there and definitely some dedicated coaches. I can't wait to see some of the ideas that, that stem from this. Like I said, Doug's got a great one, man. I, I wish I could talk about it. Cause I was, the more I thought about it, it's a really smart idea. I'll tell y'all offline, Mike, you'll mm -hmm. like it. It's a, it's a good one. Do you think that NIL is a net positive or net negative for the sport of wrestling? Um, guessing I'm going to say it's a net negative, but I'm guessing, um, we really don't know yet. Again, experiments real young, but, um, I just don't see any other way. It's not going to create. We're just watching a few teams really be competitive and everybody else is trying to sprint and catch up to them. So over the long term, I think you're going to see a lot of the resources kind of get pulled to those few schools we were talking about. There's just, uh, They've got too many avenues to get them right now. But then from that, 
you get the David and Goliath situation and you're going to find some smaller teams, get creative and figure out how to be competitive in the situation they have. Nobody's going to lay down on this thing. So I think it's too early to really cast judgment on it because then I feel like I'd be jumping in that get off my lawn and I'm really fighting that because it's in me, man. I promise you it's there. I want to be able to get off my lawn guy so hard. I want so bad. So bad. It's in there. And uh, I've got my wife on the the get off my lawn watch. When she hears me talking that, she gets to wag her finger at me and be like, you're getting so old. <laughs> like, be open-minded. So I'm trying, man. I really am. And, and if anybody out there has got feels really positive about it, like, get in touch with me, man. I want to talk to some people that are like, man, this NIL thing's great. This is what we're doing with it. But everybody and, I talk to, you see that eye roll, and it's like, God, negative, negative, negative. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to be net negative right now. Right. So, but, but okay. Um, but, but in the comments section, mm-hmm. it's going to be, well, these kids have been taken advantage of for so long, um, which is true. Well, there, there's some truth to that. I mean, we can't deny that problem. Too. That's yeah, kind absolutely. of the problem is that there is a, you know, if you talk to guys like Andrew Spay, he'll say that the, uh, the education that whether, whether it's paid for or, or, uh, you you get some type of monetary value from the education that's been provided to student athletes over the course of you know the last few decades um and he'll he'll place so much more value on that than a lot of people would um so that you know he's kind of like one end of the spectrum uh, mm-hmm. I, I use spay because i remember having these conversations he's like dude i don't you know he's like these kids get an education like that's that's a big deal and and he's right um but but someone else um, and, and an institution was profiting off of minors <laughs> at certain points, right? Or kids and, and not compensating them in any monetary fashion. So now it, it opens the door, but like you said, there's just too many leeches on the arm of the sport. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, okay, in 2003, before Zeke Jones started the RTC program, you could go to a donor and say, I need money. And they would write you a check and it would get dispersed, hopefully, throughout the entire wrestling team, sometimes throughout the entire athletic department. But now you have to go back to that donor twice Mm -hmm. in the same year. Right. Three, three times in the same year. Yeah. You're starting to get the problem now, man. You, you've voiced it a really good way. You're having to go and police that donor more than once. Now you're exactly right. Three times, not twice yes. now, not twice now, because you know, having a competitive RTC was, it was an absolute thing for a long time. It is um, still is. It's uh, I, I would argue it's less is important now. Um, it's definitely changing. Right. But it's, it's certainly a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but now you also have to go back and say, look, there's a high school kid that that there's a high school kid that we are talking to that has offers on the table for a half a million dollars. And he hasn't this kid hasn't stepped foot in an NCAA arena yet. That's crazy, isn't it? Uh, it's truthful. Yeah, I, I no, like it. I know, like. Joel and I talk about this stuff a lot. Yeah. And and while we hear the numbers that like let's 
let's talk about Gable for a second. Gable Stevenson, I've heard, and this is going to be complete conjecture. I don't know this. I've heard $2 million for him to wear your singlet. I don't know if that's true. I do have a very close relationship with some high school athletes around the country. And they're telling me a half million dollars before they even walk in the door. These are real numbers. Well, one good, good for them. That's, that's great. Um, And, and it's not bad on the athlete. I mean, it's, it's not good for them. And, and to go back to what you said, I don't think any of us, I mean, look at it, name, image, and likeness, right? I don't want to live in a world where a kid doesn't own their name, image, and likeness at any point in their life. For sure. I mean, that's your name. That's your image. You should be able to, especially when you get to that 22, 21 years old, you're, I mean, I think back to that age and I was nowhere near an adult, but we treat them like adults, right? They're, they're supposed to be able to make those decisions. So they should be able to do what they want with it. But um, what we need to be doing in this, and it goes back to the money problem again, and be like, is that, let's just go $500,000 check that you said, is that a good check? And how do we evaluate whether that is a good decision or not? Because right now we're evaluating on it whether the athlete says yes or no, correct? Well, that's not a good metric for the evaluation because I could go out and get a salesman to say, yes, you can buy this car by paying 5000 extra over the asking price, right? That's a poor decision for me. And that's what's happening a lot right now. Um, mm-hmm. And again, the, the problem with the sport is lack of resources, right? And uh, every cent that we waste man, it's even more detrimental. So we just need to be really thinking about, is this a smart way for me to use this money? What actually is the value? There is some value there. I mean, I'm not going to be naive and say, oh, there's no value to get the athlete, but what is the number? And I don't know 100% really sat down and really thought about it from an actuarial standpoint, but uh, I know it's not $500,000. That's not it. That's, that's especially for a high school kid. They're not going to bring $500,000 of value to a college program. And now we're not operating an LLC, a for-profit business. So it doesn't have to be dollar for dollar, but it can't be this $500,000 whole deficit. So let's say they're worth $25,000. You get $475,000 deficit on that check. That's not smart. Well, when and when you, you stack like up, that, when you right. stack up so many not smart decisions, everything's going to get unhealthy. And I just we got to make smarter decisions about where those resources are going, even when you have them to spend, even when you have it. And be like, oh man, make sure you're not wasting that money because it's not unlimited for anyone. When we're talking about resources and how sometimes the economics aren't lining, or not sometimes, but lots of times the economics of running a wrestling program don't necessarily add up to being overly profitable. How do you find a way to infuse resources into the sport of wrestling that economics already don't line up while also trying to be able to compensate athletes along the way? Um, Well, I think the first step is the hardest one. Um, So generating more money is always difficult. I think some of the money that's used has to be let go. I mean, salaries keep increasing right well at some point well that's a bad decision too like okay this coach doesn't bring seven hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of value sean burmett sean burmett looked me in the eye when when uh in 2020 and goes i was just wondering when the bubble was going to burst anyway (laughs) my salary keeps on going up i'm doing nothing different so at what point do like he he sat there and looked at me goes I kind of, yeah, it's fine. Totally fine. Yeah, it makes sense. 
and we just can't keep getting in. Okay, this wrestling room was $3 million. Now the next one has to be $4 million. Then the next one has to be $5 million. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't make a better product to put on the map, to bring more fans around. And more fans around, more eyeballs brings more money. So the first thing we've got to do is actually use the resources we have, because we already have resources. Forget about getting new resources. That's harder. Let's do better with the resources we have already. Let's take what we have. And wrestling's, man, there's a there's a lot of really good things going on in the sport. Let's take what we have and make it really healthy and sustainable. And once we get this thing sustainable and it can live on its own, then we allow it to grow. We've got this little baby that can't take care of itself when you're not have your hands on it all the time. And we're trying to make it bigger and grow, man. It's just going to be reckless and it's going to fall apart. We've got to get the small product we have really sustainable and allow that to grow more naturally. So I don't think it's more money. I think that's... That's a pretty naive way to go about it. We've got resources. We just have to be a lot smarter with them. And I'm, I mean, I'm not in a decision where you make those. And I'm not knowledgeable about that aspect about how to use those resources in a program. I don't have any experience with that. I've been on the mat working with guys trying to get them prepared to win college wrestling matches and guide them through their life. The financial aspect, I just don't have as much resource, uh, as much experience with that like a head coach would. Yeah, that's the yeah. one that's really organizing mm -hmm. it. But it being a part of it, you get some ideas. And you can see some of the problems, but man, we just got to be smarter with the money we have. I think that's the Lee, first step of it. Lee, you say that, and I don't accept it because because um, I think you have a better understanding than most people that are head coaches and do have to balance the checkbook. Um, yeah, but and that might be true, but okay, um, I'm not in a position to make any kind of decisions on it. Mm. So I don't want to be Don Quixote tilting at windmills outside, man. I, I don't, I, I just don't. It's going to be a waste of my time to mm. really put that much thought no, into like, so I haven't, I haven't gone that deep with it and really be like, what would I do? I've got this budget. What would I do with the budget? And your budget's all the money you raise in a calendar year. That's what your budget is mm -hmm. from the school to scholarships to RTC to outside donors. And I just, I don't have a very good grasp of all that. So even if I did have a good grasp of it, I'm not in a position to make those decisions. So now I'm just on Twitter yelling and screaming about things that won't change anything. And I'm just, I don't want to get in that business. I don't, it's not productive. And more than that, it's not productive for my own mental health. Right. It's, it's not, it's, 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 not. it's a bad road yes. to go down. Mm-hmm because it, it gets scary it gets scary quickly um joel what would you do get like so you are like i don't know I, as i'm sitting here i think you might have some ideas joel oh you're gonna put me on the spot yeah dude because like you're you're actually a really smart dude you know my name's on the stupid description but you're you're the brains behind this organization how how would you differently allocate the funds that a place like you and i or even penn state has i mean i think if parity is what we're looking for across the ncaa there needs to be some sort of salary cap hmm. um and it seems like there's a large pool of money in college sports in general. Um, and if you look at all of the major sports organizations, the NFL, the NBA, they're pretty competitive because 
teams can only spend so much. Um, and sure. the league itself takes in a big pool of money. They like the league negotiates their TV rights and then disperses money to all of the different teams or franchises. Mm. Um, so if you're really looking for parity, that, that would be my best guess. But that's interesting. Yeah, and it's like, a, it's a great idea, like a spending limit for for what could you could have, and then really open up that can of worms. And it's like, okay, regulation—that's the that's the biggest hurdle with that. How do how do we regulate it, and who is going to regulate it, and what is the and the NCAA is not going to regulate it. They're they're not they're not going to put they're out of that business, and they want to even pull out of it even more. So is it the National Wrestling Coaches Association, or do we have to form something a wrestling financial coaches association, whatever it end up calling it, the the regulation of what that spending limit is for wrestling would have to be it. Because what might happen for NCAA is, okay, there's a spending limit on the school. Well, well, then we're back in the same problem again, right? getting out rest, resources allocated specifically for wrestling into that lane. But it's a, I like the spending mm. limit idea. My dad and I actually talked about that when I was home visiting him. He thinks that's the way a lot of the power five football teams are going to have to get to, to get back to that parody thing you're talking about, or there's just not going to be parody and few teams are going to win every single year. Which is kind of what happens, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, it, it's literally been the case of this sport. Um, for the last hundred years, it's, and then we've got the, we've got the problem too, with a lot of the coaches are the one making the decisions too. So you have people that are trying to, do the opposite of parody. That's our job as a coach, right? We yeah. don't want parody. We want the odds stacked in our favor. We're the one making the decisions for parody. Well, that's not going to happen. You have to, you have to have a different governing body that says, I know coaches, you're not going to like what we're about to do, but sorry, here's the regulation you have to go by. Cause mm. it, there's, I just, and I don't think it would be fair to ask a coach to make a decision to handicap themselves, to shoot nope. themselves in the own foot. Why in the world would we ask them to do that? It's not nope. personal. They'll never do it either, no, and they'll no, never do it. No way. So I think uh, to get back into it a little bit, I don't even think it's inside the NCAA. We've got to monetize the highest level of the sport. Um, we've got to, and this is tough because, man, uh, you want to talk about get off my lawn and its roots. We have to move away from the ultimate goal being world and Olympic championship. The ultimate goal should be whatever, the Nabisco wrestling belt right and that is what the highest level of the sport is like winning the super bowl mm -hmm. um it is it is a business in and of itself so i i really it's think so we need hard. to monetize the highest end of the sport and then we've got the whole problem with the highest end of the sport wrestles a different style than ncaa's in and that's not viewed as much so right away it can't generate as much revenue there's just a lot of there's a lot of obstacles and there's a lot of nuanced problems and there's not enough people to help start solving those problems. Cause what happens again, those people that are solving the problems, you have to pay them. I mean, yeah. no, this is a lot of work for somebody to volunteer and do. And then we're back in the same hole. Well, where do we get the resources to pay those people to solve the resources problem? <laughs> <laughs> we, and that's why to, it, it, it actually, makes me laugh like it makes me chuckle when people are like we should just start a, a pro league I'm like oh oh okay <laughs> I, I i'll never forget and and i hope that this person is is listening and i won't call him out by name but he knows exactly who it is and it's a guy that i was coaching with in texas and he said he may or may not have dipped into some of the wine that i had um and he was 
good and drunk and he was screaming at me in my kitchen that all we needed to do was start a dual meet pro league and i was like you mean like real pro wrestling he's like what's that i'm like exactly yeah. <laughs> it's like you guys what are you talking about i'm like you don't even like like he he thought it out like he really thought that he he nailed it and 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 god bless him i'm sure he really meant what he said but he had no idea what he was talking about. He had no idea what he was talking about. He's like, no, we put it in places like Cedar Falls where, where it's really important. I go, okay, mm -hmm. what, when do we have, at what time of the year do we do this? He's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you've thought it through. What time of the year? He's, I'm like, scheduling. That's your first hurdle. And, that, and that's like a, a small hurdle right you're not even yeah. talking about delving into the 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 minutia of the actual economy of this league that you're talking about because the economy how do you get people there like that we you haven't even talked about that okay oh yeah so the other problem is we don't have time on on in the calendar we're gonna have to create another month right because there's not a time where we're all the, barring the two weeks that you're talking about between Fargo and the, the kids coming in, the freshmen moving into their dorms, that's a two-week window that we have open every year, and there's not another one. So when? When do we do it? So right. I think I, I, I think while we're not going to sit here and and solve the wrestling world's problems on this podcast, although I'd love to do it. Um, fun to, it's fun to hypothesize about it. Right. But but I do I do truly believe that putting our finger on the problems is important too. Yes. Oh, definitely, definitely. And um, we've I think we've all got to move to cheaper real estate. We've just uh, we've got to understand that this is still really grassroots, man. We can't live in Malibu right now. We can't we can't right. afford it. We can't afford that. So again, it just goes back to doing better with the resources we have. And that's everybody. That's everybody that's involved in the sport that's in the decision making. You have to look at those resources you have and realize how valuable those are. Mm. And is what I'm doing with those resources sustainable? Uh, and I think until it comes down to an individual level of, and everybody's got, I'm even talking about like the guy that runs a youth club in the North Georgia mountains, right? He's not dealing with millions and millions of dollars. His budget might be 10 grand for the whole year. That's what he raises for the whole youth club. And that would be on the high end of things for a lot of youth clubs too. Those dollars are valuable because they come into the sport and you need to steward those dollars as well as with as much care that we steward our athletes with. I mean, we know we take care of those athletes and we want them to move this thing as healthy as we can. And that's hard enough to do um this crazy sport we're in that man can really chew you up getting our athletes through this healthy we got to look at the money like that too we have to take just as much care of those dollars we can't be wasteful with them whether you've got a five thousand dollar budget or a five million dollar budget joel you got anything for you no let's let's take it home okay i was gonna say we could do a magic wand, but he already answered that. He did, but 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 oh, I got one for him. Don't you fret. <laughs> Who's on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling? Oh, I need a. Uh, is this just the United States or the whole world? Well, I mean, it's just in the United States. 
Okay. Like, there's not you, one. There's oh, not yeah, one. duh. There's no Mount Rushmore. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, come on. This is the way my brain works. I should have done that. Um, okay. So the first one I'm going to put on is Gable. Um, everything kind of stems from him. Um, he's got to go up there first for me. Um, man, he just sports illustrated cover, man. If you talk to somebody about wrestling and they're a casual fan and you bring up Dan Gable, like, Oh yeah, I've heard of that guy. Mm -hmm. So he goes on for me. Um, John Smith is probably my next one. There's very few wrestlers that have been, that have changed the way wrestling looks mm -hmm. by them being a competitor wrestler wrestling looked different when John Smith was competing. Um, just go watch film during that time. And everybody was trying to be John Smith and plus six world titles and all that, right. It goes without speaking. Um, Kale. Actually, I'm gonna go Burroughs next. Cause I'm going to okay. put Kale on the book in. So uh, Burroughs goes up next because mm -hmm. credential wise, I mean, arguably he's one of the greats. Um, he's definitely, definitely up on Mount Rushmore for me. And he revolutionized and revitalized. That's the word I was looking for. Um, United States wrestling. I mean, it was a it was a little bit of a desert for a while. And here comes this guy and really changed the face of it. He's got to go up there just for that alone. Let's say he didn't win as much, take away a few medals. I still goes up there for me for just bringing some health back into the, the Olympic level wrestling for for senior level men. And then I probably got to go Kale um for what he did as a competitor and now what he's doing as a coach the same thing kind of bookending he's the modern day gable it's kind of the way mm -hmm. to look at it what he did very similar path um short international career but did it at the highest level won all you could win and then what he's doing on a coaching end of things and it's just um modernizing the sport a whole lot i, I would have to put him up there for that but then you start thinking okay women's wrestling's really building up too so Man, I got to probably put a woman woman in there at some point. So you got to throw Adeline in consideration. You have to throw Helen Marulis in there too, because my opinion, those are the two women's goats right now, mm -hmm. and um, that's going to keep added as these young stars keep coming up. So yeah, yeah. but who these, do you take off? Who do you take are. off to put Adeline or Helen up there? So that's where it just starts getting tough. But all that's in consideration. Those those six people go up, but I would go Gable, John Smith, Burroughs, Kale. That'd be my yeah. Mount Rushmore if you put a gun to my head and make me carve it. Love it. Love it. Lee Roper, how do people get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you? Uh, Roper165, anything on social or just go to a wrestling tournament. You got a chance. I'll probably be there. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. Thank you so much for coming on, brother. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Enjoyed it, guys.